Welcome tonight. I have a very special guest who has a podcast of his own, Kevin Apolinario. Kevin, please introduce yourself and say hello to everyone. Hey guys, how you doing? My name is Kevin Apolinario. I'm actually from New York. I do IT support for a hedge fund. And besides that, I work for a CEO. I, I do this IT, IT stuff, work IT support. I also have a YouTube channel. So basically, I have my own YouTube channel where I, I train people, I mentor people, I help people land their first job in IT. It's primarily helped us. So if you're trying to land your first job, I train you on that. I, I do mock interviews, technical training. We do a little bit of everything. And I also do mentorships. So like if you're brand new to IT, you don't know where to start. I will train you on that. And the majority of my videos, are they're, they're free videos. So you go on YouTube, you go watch my videos, and I teach people how to do that. And I also have a Discord community. If you want to join Discord, you can come by and have a conversation with me. I'd be more than happy to talk to you. Outside of that, I like to exercise, spend time with my family. And then that's it. I mean, that's a little bit about me. I like pizza too. So <laughs> <laughs> That is a wonderful introduction, Kevin. That is wonderful. It is so wonderful that you're sharing your knowledge because that to me is the true mark of a leader who is using their knowledge to help others succeed. It is wonderful that you're here. What topics do you want to talk about this evening? Oh, I actually want to like take knowledge from you, actually. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> So <laughs> you're on on my shows, the guests drive the conversation and I follow. So I, I actually want to know about what are your what's your what's your thought process for someone that's brand new to IT? Like how should they get started if they're trying to get into cybersecurity? Should they start at the help desk level, like what I'm doing, like what I teach, or should they is there like another method to landing your, your job in cybersecurity to other methods? Just curious. Sure. A lot depends on their previous experience and at what level are they coming. For example, a lot of career changers will have deep expertise, say, in healthcare, some other field. And now they realize that most of their work involves digital information and maybe other people are struggling and they're seeing and they're trying to solve a problem. So that is a senior kind of a person. They may already have a bachelor's degree somewhere, and now maybe they have just gone through the master's degree or trying to go to the master's degree. Now, for most career changers, the first thing I recommend is go through A-plus knowledge training. Whether you take the certifications or not is besides the point. You will need to get that knowledge because I've done this for literally thousands of people. Once you get the A+, plus, after that, you have to go through the Network Plus training. Again, I don't care whether you do the certification or not, but you will need this fundamental basic knowledge. After that, you do Security Plus. Once you do this, you are actually ready to at least start a master's program of the type that I was running. So I was running one of the world's largest Master of Science programs in cybersecurity. At one time, it had 4,800 students. And we used to take anybody and everybody because if they have a bachelor's degree, they're ready. I mean, because I am looking for complex brains. A person who has a bachelor's degree already has a pretty complex brain. That's what education does to you. It creates that complex brain. 
And then the master's degree takes you to a completely different level. Now that you have acquired all this, you already have that complexity in your brain. You also have job experience. Well, now it's question of branding and packaging yourself. If you go to a job interview, if you have a master's degree, for example, you're already in the top 10% of the adult US population. All right, so if you're in the top 10% of the adult US population, why would you be looking for an entry-level job? A master's degree holder is not an entry-level person. I just placed, not I didn't place, I coached her, I mentored her and took her through her master's journey she just got hired as an information systems security officer at a pretty big federal agency. How did that happen? Because she also went through my book, Cybersecurity Leadership. She also went through this personal branding book. She knew how to talk about her previous experiences, tie it to the current job that she's going to do, demonstrated an understanding of the cybersecurity model. In this book, I have shared the cybersecurity model. A lot of people right now, are equating cybersecurity with security or information security. Absolutely no way. One of the key elements of cybersecurity is perpetual innovation. Perpetual innovation is done by people. It's not about technology. All the failures that you're seeing in the cybersecurity realm, the breaches, they have nothing to do with technology. They all have to do with leadership and governance failures. The wrong people were hired, the wrong people are selecting the technology, the wrong people are configuring the technology, and the wrong people are using the technology because nobody's teaching anybody anything. People are holding knowledge back. That is one way. Now, if you are an undergraduate student and you're trying to get in and all that, that's a different story altogether. At an undergraduate level, not only would you possibly get a background in cybersecurity, but you would also do a whole bunch of other things. You would learn to read, write, talk, I mean, basic things, you would do some maybe social studies, social science, all of that stuff. Because again, at that level, your brain is not complex enough yet. See, the human brain takes a long time to develop. That's why we go through all these schooling. Why don't we just hire a five-year-old and make them a CEO? Because the brain is not developed yet. This is the key. I totally agree with you. I, I just wanted to like... You have so much experience in IT, so I, I wanted to like grab your head and grab your attention and see what, you, what your thought process is. What's your initial process when someone says that I could land like a high-end job without learning the fundamentals of IT? Because I tell people you need to learn at the base level first before you go into the actual, like the high-end job. Like people want to skip fundamentals and go into the high-end job. What's your thought process on that? So I'm going to give you the reality of the industry. There are plenty of people that actually get those kinds of jobs because often it's not what you know, it's who you know. There are plenty of executives you will find that are totally clueless. They're actually hiring people. They have big, big titles. I see CEOs like that. I see CIOs like that. I see CISOs like that. Many of my graduates have actually gone into agencies where they saw that the CISO or the person they're going to work for is pretty unqualified. And as soon as these people get there, the person is very threatened and immediately starts working on how to squeeze this person out. It was unbelievable. So I've seen that. And you would be amazed at how many people get there that way by knowing somebody. So that is one way. But if you truly are looking for 
a qualified way to get there? No, you can never do this properly without knowing the fundamentals and without going through the systematic process that I talked about, because without that basic knowledge and the knowledge of the model on how to do governance, how to do leadership, how to do policy, how to do technology, because cybersecurity involves technology, policy, and people, all of those. You can't just do one of them and expect to be successful especially at a high-level job, because at a high-level job, you also have to know that cybersecurity is also for the success of a mission. So a healthcare organization, you would have a separate and distinct strategy compared to, so let's say, a nuclear power plant or an education organization. So I never did anything without looking at the mission. And that is also what is written in the book. Because if you don't understand how to talk about cybersecurity by tailoring it to the mission, you're never going to be successful. And that is why a lot of people aren't successful because what they do is they go to every organization, they try to do the same thing. It's all about controls. We've got to do all these controls. They're trying to implement maybe all the 600 controls of whatever the framework they are familiar with. That's never going to work because you have to have a priority. You have to have a budget. You have to have a plan. You have to have people. To do anything, you will need people, policy, and technology. And you will need the money you will also need to have a financing plan because sometimes if you're a revenue generator, you're also getting revenue. So again, you have a plan. That's what I did. Got it. Yeah, I was just wondering about your, your thought process. I always like to ask that question. I said to everyone, by the way, I also wanted to ask you, for people that are brand new, right, in IT, what's your thought process of how not to get burned out when it comes to studying, when it comes to doing certs? What would you recommend for someone not to get burned out? Because it's like burnout is a big thing in IT. So for someone that's brand new, what, what would be your thought process on that? Well, this is the biggest reason why I wrote this book, Bring Inner Greatness Out Personal Branding. Because one of the things that I did for myself is I always created multiple sources of income for myself. I was doing that from the time I was in seventh grade. That is one of the key fundamental things that everybody needs to be doing. Now, once you do that and you are in control of your own destiny and your own career, if an employer is unethical to you or exploitative, you can walk away. Because sometimes an employer is going to force you to burn out. Well, if you don't have the ability to walk away, then you're at a serious disadvantage, right? I just did that very recently. An employer wanted me to work the entire summer for free. <laughs> I was on a 10-month contract. My contract was supposed to end end of June. They wanted me to work for free July and August, and then they would give me another contract starting in September. I said, no, I don't work for free for anybody. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ay, ay, ay. So this is what's going to happen. Uh, also, another, another place where people were working 16-hour days every day. I didn't. If they're going to pay me for eight hours, I will work eight hours, right? Because I need to have sanity, to have a creative brain, have fun. I need time for my family because life is not all about work. Work does not define me. I agree with you. What's the point of making so much money if you don't have a work-life balance? It just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. You need to enjoy life too. So in order for you to enjoy life, you need to have some sort of balance. 
And that balance could be anything from working with being your family, just anything in general. You need to have some sort of balance in IT. That's just in life too. It's, it's the same thing. You need to have balance. Right. Not only that, but you must enjoy coming to work, right? If you are being driven like a robot and people are not understanding your emotional being as a human being, you can't spend time with your family or anything. Well, work is no longer going to be fun. And if it's not going to be fun, you're not going to be innovative. You're not going to be creative. I don't want to be in a job where all I'm looking at it as an income. I want to love my job. I have always loved my job. The moment I felt like this was a drag, I was not enjoying it. It's time for me to go do something else. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. How do you see someone as they're ready to be like a manager type role? Like, I'm pretty sure you have hired managers before. So when, when do you say, okay, I see this person has been in IT for a while now and they, they look like they sh they sh they're ready for a management type role. How do you pick this, that person that you know was ready for a management type role? This is an excellent question because it now allows me to talk about the difference between leadership and management. Managers are interested in the process. Leaders are interested in the outcome. They want the final result. In my entire career, I have never been a manager and I've never hired managers. I only hired leaders and elevated them to higher and higher levels of responsibility because in every team that I led, everybody was a leader. And that included even high school students that I was hiring as interns. When I was working at the nuclear power plant, a wonderful teacher came to us and said, hey, we have these wonderful high school students. They're trying to learn IT and all that, but they're not able to use their knowledge anywhere. Would you be willing to create some internships? Do you have a need for internship? I had never thought about using high school students for that. But looking at this teacher's passion and coming to lobby for her students, I said, okay, I mean, what have I got to lose? Let me try it. Oh my God, we hired two students. Now I'm one, also one of those people that also believe in paid internship. We actually paid them also. They were members of my team. They did everything that everybody else would possibly do, but everybody was mentoring them. In my book, I talk about running meetings. I made them run meetings also. Because see, I used to have rotating meeting chairs. I was not the only one running every meeting because that would mean leadership is a position. Leadership is never a position. It's a frame of mind. It's how you think, how you are able to lead a bunch of people to achieve a goal. And running a meeting is a goal. That's a great place to practice leadership. So I would see that and I would see how people are, have outgrown a role. For example, I'll give you a very simple example. I had somebody on my team who was great at wiring, pulling wires and all that. That's what he did. But then at some point in his career, he started learning so much from about network engineering. I built my career as a network engineer. So I was his mentor because I saw this desire. So he wanted to do that. Well, pretty soon I couldn't use him, continue to use him in this other role. I hired other people to do that. 
but moved him up into an engine network engineering role, gave him the money that was fair and ethical. So I'm also one of those leaders who does not believe in unethical pay. Just because I can pay somebody less, I won't do that. I always paid people their fair market value. That allowed me to keep happy employees. That's the way I always selected. I selected based upon seeing that somebody has outgrown their position. And now in order for them to grow, they would either leave the company or be unhappy and kind of not grow because at some point you need that growth. In every job, I've always also created my successor because if I don't create my successor, guess what happens? I can't go anywhere either. <laughs> right? I definitely agree with you. That's a leader for you because everyone has their own definition of a leader. And some people, they say they're a leader, but they're not. I worked in a restaurant and I worked as a manager in a restaurant. And there are people that lead by example. I took my initial, um, I guess my initial thought process. And like, as a leader, you should, you should be like managing a team, but you should also lead by example. So when I got promoted to, I, so I was, I was the youngest manager in the company, by the way. I was uh, 17 at the time. I got promoted for a management role in the store. It was a lot of responsibility for me. I, I was never put in such a in, in such a position. It was like really scary to be in a position like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I ended up getting the position and then I ended up leading a team. But the thing is, too, is that like who wants to be led by someone that's younger than them? I worked in a in restaurant and some people were like that. But then when they saw how I worked and they saw how I lead, but also worked and how I did it in a, in a way that I, I balanced it out where everyone's working together and I'm working too. I'm not just telling someone to do something. Everyone ended up respecting me being the youngest manager in the company. So I just wanted to yeah. share that. Even though your title was manager, you clearly demonstrated that you were a leader. Many managers are leaders, right? Yeah. So when I was in my first supervisory role at the Calvacus nuclear power plant, my oldest employee was, I think, about 60 years old or something like that. But similar issue, it, was the, it wasn't the age. What, what issue is looking at each person, what are they very good at? What are they going to be happy at? And how are they going to contribute positively to the whole team because at the end of the day it's like we're a baseball team and we have to win it's like i'm the captain that's the way i always looked at my role as supervisors that's why i always said when people ask me how many people did you manage i've always said zero because i never managed people i managed goals This is what we have to achieve. Who's going to be doing what? And then how do we get there? Who is best? If somebody's not good at something, not enjoying something, let's move. Let's talk to them, figure out what they're good at. Also using them efficiently. For example, this person couldn't do certain things, but this person was very good at certain hours of the day. In other words, If I gave him a night shift, he would be okay with that and still be very productive. But some of the other people would not be so good at that night shift. Guess what? My team was 24 by 7. So I had to have people in the night shift. 
I gave him on the night shift, but I also made sure that he was happy. He was not burned out and all that. One fine day, I think it was about three to six months after I was his manager, he sent me a letter. He said, I have worked for this company for more than 30 years. I've never had anybody who really took care of me the way you did. And that's all I always cared about, keeping them happy so that they can be productive and meeting the goals. My thing was always about goals. And yes, I always was willing to do anything and everything. And I also covered for people when they were on vacation. I never gave somebody to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Nothing has ever been beneath me to do. I'm ready to do anything to make a team successful. I'm exactly the same way that like I would put my heart and soul to anything I do in life. And that's just the way I was in IT. Re- I worked in restaurant, anything. I just put my heart and soul, even in my videos, like in my YouTube channel, I put my heart and soul to it. I don't do it because I feel like it. I do it because I like doing it. Otherwise I wouldn't do it. That's just how I, I, I am. So and that's the way anyone should be right. Why should you do something where your heart is not in it? So therefore your quality suffers. See, if your heart is in something, the quality is going to go through the roof. I often had to win clients. This is the way I used to win clients. I used to tell them, I will be the best person in this role you will ever meet, past, present, and future. I even did that with my students. I told them, quite honestly, I will be the best professor you will ever meet experience. I never said I'm the best professor. Notice I talk about the experience. And I gave every one of my students the experience that they will never forget in their life. And if I can do that, customers are going to flock to me. That's the way anybody should be. And it is completely doable because when I give that experience, what happens? The value of my work goes up. And when the value of my work goes up, guess what? They're willing to pay me more for that value. I used to be a real estate agent for about 10 years. Oh. That's how I used to market myself. I said, I will be the best real estate agent you will ever experience in your life. Amazingly enough, nobody has beat that record yet. I'm still friends with many of my former clients. I don't practice anymore for almost 10 years now. I was going to say that when you just genuine, just things will work out itself. You don't got to really do anything and just works out by itself. You just need to have that energy, that motivation. You stay positive and just do it. And people will notice your work. Like everyone gets noticed eventually. You just got to have patience. It's a waiting game. It's all about having patience. Because I, I tell people a lot too, when they're, when, when I have someone that's brand new to IT mm-hmm. and they're applying for jobs, I tell them, trust the process and have patience. You got to have patience with, with the jobs, especially when you're applying for jobs, you got to really have a lot of patience because it, it does affect your mind when, when you don't really get the job and you keep, you, you keep applying, applying, people are not getting back to you. You know, you got to have that mindset and be prepared to keep applying to some people. Not only that, when they get the job interview, that means their resume and their qualifications are no longer in question. This is something that a lot of people don't seem to understand. When you are at the job interview, This is your time to win that job interview. So you better be prepared. You got to have that glint in your eye. 
You got to have passion for that job. You got to have knowledge about the company that you're applying for. You got to have knowledge about all the people that are interviewing you. You got to have great answers to the questions. Why should I hire you? You better have a great answer for that. Tell me about yourself. Most people fail on that question because they start regurgitating the resume. If you regurgitate the resume, when people ask you, tell me about yourself, you will not get the job because your resume is already a known quantity. Tell me a story about where the story that you mentioned, that is powerful. That's not in your resume. You had become the youngest manager in that company ever. And yet you had all these people. And then somehow you won over everybody through your leadership and your approach and your style. Well, that's not on a resume, right? So you got to bring out those stories where you made the difference. Now you're going to get hired. And this is the biggest lesson that I wrote in this book, because people were failing on those. So the people that I coach, so for example, why am I a better professor to my students? Because many professors will never coach their students on interviewing or doing anything, or when they're out of their classes or graduated, they will never take care of them. Well, any of my former students can talk to me anytime, and they do, because I maintain that relationship because it has become a relationship. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing too. Like I, I do mentorships too. I do mentor, I mentor people. And I tell people that when you do mentorships, it's not 50, a hundred, it's a hundred, a hundred. So like, if I give you a hundred percent, as the person that I'm mentoring, I'm mentoring you, I'm giving you a hundred percent. You got to give me a hundred percent too. Like it's not 50, a hundred. It doesn't work that way. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Because in all honesty, the person that if my, if my mentee is doing hundred percent, it takes very little time for me to mentor. And some of my best mentees use up very little of my time because they're already executing. And then they're showing me what they executed or what they thought about and what they did. And then once they show me that, I said, oh my God, basically they have just jumped six feet. So I raised the bar a little bit more, six feet, six inches. Can you jump that? Pretty soon they jump that. So I say, okay, let's make it even. So you see, this is what's happening with my mentees. They are executing like crazy. A lot of people come to me for mentorship or guidance or whatever, and they have never read any of my work. I can't give you that knowledge and start from zero. If yeah. you have read that work, now you will, are, your questions are going to be at a completely different level. I tell people, like, you have to do your homework. So do your, do your, do your diligence, do your homework, and just make sure you understand how things are set up and how just on, do, your, do your research before you actually do those things. Because mentor, mentor, mentoring someone could be could be fun but then it could take a lot of energy out of you too if, if you don't have the right person that you're working with it becomes more like not mentoring it becomes more like like you're you're doing something else you're like tutoring you're tutoring you're doing a bunch of other things it's not even a mentorship so you got it exactly right kevin this has been absolutely amazing we have really had an amazing conversation we've gone 30 minutes already would you believe that <laughs> 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 we could go on for a long time mm -hmm. thank you very much for coming on the show yeah thank you